You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. So good morning to you, and I hope you are doing well. It is a little cooler. My family and I went camping Friday night, and it was... Let's just say it was cold enough in my tent that there was frost on the ceiling that morning when we got up. So uh, we were ready for it. It was okay, but uh, I'll uh, say a campfire never felt so good, if you know what I mean, to just kind of like huddle around that. So uh, really, it's great and a joy to see you guys this morning. We're uh, nearing the end of the the Beatitudes, Jesus telling us, really redefining for us what blessings really should be all about. We've talked about different things along the way, and uh, the, the risk that we run by taking one of these a single each week, we've been kind of snail's pace, one verse at a time, right? But they're so, they're so profound. We're taking eight weeks, and it took Jesus probably 80 seconds to just simply say these things, but we're unpacking them. But the risk that we run into is we separate them, we isolate them, and we almost look at them individually, and they're not meant to be looked at just uh, by themselves individually. They're meant to be together as a whole. And what Jesus is really doing, I've tried to give you some metaphors to just, I think it's important for us to get the concept of the whole, not just the individual parts, but he's, he's populating the universe, if you will, of what it is like to be a follower of Jesus. The, those, uh, the people that he was talking to, they had seen their entire life that religion had boiled down to just simply the things that you do and that you don't do, and you go through the motions and the routine. And for most, not all, but most, they had lost that heart. They had lost that, that true heart for God, if you will, and they had the religious spiritual leaders had boiled it down to all kinds of just rules and regulations and things that you do, and really flipped it on its head and made it about them rather than about God. And Jesus came through breaking through all that, and he's kind of populating their universe to understand what that whole thing should look like. It's kind of like a student when some of you guys, if you can remember when you went on campus the very first time, you know, I'm sure you had gone and looked on a virtual tour or whatever to kind of see where everything is, but it's different. When you go on campus for the first time as a student, you're like, I got to figure out where the dining hall is, where I eat and where my first class is, and I got to know what the rules are, and I got to know what's going on and where the common areas are and the library and all of that stuff. You're, you're figuring out what your life is going to look like for the next few years. It's called orientation. Jesus is giving us an orientation, if you will, in these Beatitudes for what our life should look like. So with that, this morning, he tells us in verse 9, he says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Jesus is telling us this morning that at the core of our calling in life, you and I, we as a church, in fact, all the churches that truly are following him, we are called to be peacemakers. My goal, my job this morning is to help you live out that calling better as a result of being here. Well, Sean, I don't feel that called to be a peacemaker. I feel called to be other things. You know, the Bible, we're called to be all kinds of things. And what this blessing is telling us is that part of that calling is that each one of us are called to be peacemakers in a world that's messed up. If there's ever been a time in our country that we've discovered that we are not at peace, it is this year, is it not? I mean, the conflicts over COVID, you know, the, the, the racial tensions and conflicts that have gone on and being an election year on top of it, all, all of that together. And we as followers of Jesus 
are called to be agents of his peace in a world that's broken, in a world that's confusing, in a world of conflict, in a world of accusation, in a world of criticism. Instead of inflaming that and pushing that forward and jumping on everything, we should be agents of reconciliation, of peace that we just saw in the video. So I want to help us to, I want to unpack this force and help us to know what that pragmatically means. And you and I, I'll, talk, I'll share some specific things at the very end of what we're talking about. So first thing I want you to recognize is that peacemakers reflect God's character. When you and I are functioning as a peacemaker, we are at heart reflecting the character of God. For, for many of us, if we were to say, you know, what's really, Sean, is the core thing that God wants us to do in our Christian life that's for all of us. One of the things that would probably make the short list for most of us is God wants us to live holy. God wants us to live pure. And that ought to be on the short list. But I want you to notice that last week we saw that the whole purity and holiness and living godly and good isn't tied to us being peacemakers, isn't tied, actually, isn't tied to us being the sons and the children of God. You see, when we live godly and holy, we see God and we live in intimacy with Him and we experience His presence in our life and we live before Him and all of that. But when we act as agents of peace in this world around us, literally peacemakers is what the word means in the original, we are actually reflecting the most closest to the character of God in the world around us. God says, "My, what I want you to be doing in this world is to be bringing peace in a world that is full of conflict. Your job is to be a peacemaker. And when you do, you are my kid." You are reflecting as my child. You see, we're a chip off the old block, if you will. We are reflecting the very character of our God when we live in this world and we help separate parties, those who are at odds, those who are having conflict, those who are having disputes, those who are not together. We function as peacemakers when we bring them together. To bring peace is not, does not mean just to simply bring tolerance. It doesn't mean to just, well, I'm going to be okay with that other person. I'm going to be okay with that situation or that group of people. What God means, when the Bible talks about peace, what God means for you and for me is taking two that are part and putting them back together. Think about taking a, a line or a rope that's been torn apart and splicing it and putting it back together. There was a picture that went viral this summer. There's a picture that, that was taken uh, a few years ago on one of the trains in New York City. And a guy happened to see these, and he took this picture and put it on Twitter or whatever, but it just in the middle of all of the racial tensions, it really uh, took off again on social media. But he saw these two guys, young guys sitting together, and, uh, and they were sharing earbuds, you know, one earbud to the other. For the record, as a 50-year-old guy, I think that's gross, but that's me, all right? I know you're not licking it and it's your ear, but still, like, dude, that's been in my ears. I don't want that in your ear and then coming back to my ear. I just, but that's a side. So they were sharing earbuds on the train. They were, you know, on the phone, and it was obvious they were together and talking. But what really made it so interesting was this. One guy was white, and one guy was a person of color. He looked black. He actually is Afro-Latino is how he would describe himself. 
And one guy, the white guy, looked like buttoned up Wall Street. I mean, business suit, you know, the whole thing looked like he was walking, you know, for business. And, and the Afro-Latino guy looked like a, just he was dressed cool and, you know, he didn't have a suit on. I don't know how to describe what it was, but just he looked like a normal guy. But two, just taking at face value, looked like two very different walks of life. Two guys that would not share anything in common, and yet there they were, plugged into the same music as that they were ultimately what they were listening to and talking and sharing, and it was a picture of what that togetherness piece was. That's what Jesus is talking about, or that's a little picture of what we are to be as peacemakers, not just conciliators, but bringing two parties that are broken and apart, if you will, and putting them back together. And that is the very character and nature of God. It's what we should be doing. It's how we're supposed to live 24-7. We're supposed to, to, to live that out. That's what God is wanting to do in this world. That's why Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's why that Jesus tells us to pray for peace. We're to be His agents of peace in the world. And if we're, and, and as His followers, those opportunities present themselves all the time, just in how we live. I'll give you a quick little example. Um, when my family and I were in Maine, we uh, got up one morning, I don't remember where we were going, but we, we were getting gas, and a couple of us, two or three of us, went in to get some coffee. And uh, when we were inside, uh, the, the, the guy in front of us was having trouble getting his coffee. He was talking to the, to the woman at the, the counter and the register, and, and, and it, was, it was, I wasn't like listening, eavesdropping. Like they were talking loud. It was hard not to hear what was going on. And I heard the woman talk, and she's behind the plexiglass thing, the wall there, and he and got her mask on. And I heard him say this. He said, I am hard of hearing, and I rely on looking at people's lips. I cannot understand you. And I heard her say and reply in the exact same audible level, I'm not allowed to take my mask off. And immediately I'm like, that... There's an impasse. That has got, if he only heard her, he would be so frustrated at what he just, what she just said. And, and I'm not hanging her out to dry. I'm not, you know, she's been told by her, I'm sure her boss, you'd have to wear a mask. And, you know, and the pressure of the moment just wasn't thinking all that. So I'm not hanging her out to dry. But in that moment, I stepped up and said, well, I can take my mask off. I broke the social distance rules. I took my mask off. I was well within six feet because I needed to, he needed to see me. And I translated what she said to him, and he was so appreciative of that afterwards, profusely appreciative. I can only imagine how difficult it must be for him with everyone wearing masks. That's a picture of what your life and my life is to be like when we're at work. That's the picture of what our life is to be like when we're ordering coffee, when we're at school, when we're with our families. You see, as Christians, we're supposed to be, rather than instigators of issues, we're to be solvers and peacemakers in the middle of those things. We're, we're not to be uh, pushing those issues forward to the degree unless that is a vehicle to bring peace. Too often I feel as Christians that we can polarize over whether it's various theologies and all kinds of things. Sean, are you saying theologies are not appropriate? No, I'm not saying that. Sean, are you saying none of these movements are appropriate? No, I'm not saying that either. But too often, we get our kicks, if you will, by the issues and by the stances that we take. And Jesus instead said, I came to bring true peace 
in the middle of this. That's his character. We reflect the character of God when we live and we share that way. Second thing I want you to recognize is that peacemakers, somebody has to pay the price for there to be peace. Peacemakers pay the price. There is, make no mistake, when there is conflict, when there are offenses to be had that have been had, when there are issues that surface, somebody has to pay the price of peace. Now, what I'm thankful for is that somebody who did that really for us, who brought real peace, his name was Jesus. Look what Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 says. It won't be on the screen, so I should have said listen, not look. Listen to it, or you can flip there on your phone or your Bible. But, li but listen to what Colossians 1.20 says this, talking about Jesus. Through Him, through Jesus, to recon reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. You see, Jesus, when He died on the cross for our sins, He paid the price for our peace. There had to be a price that was paid. You see, our sins are offensive to God. God takes offense at them. The things that we do wrong, the things that we think that are, the thoughts that we think that are wrong in our head, the motives in our heart, the wrong motivations, all the stuff that we talk about, so often that we relegate sin is just, well, I robbed a bank or I murdered somebody. or we, we're, we're even so bad at this, we don't even recognize that lies are sins. Like, well, that wasn't really a big lie. Well, that, you know, we categorize lies like maybe the two or three, the, the big ones that you would ever tell in your life. Guys, all of the stuff that and our whole life is tainted by sin and disobedience with God, and it offends a holy God in heaven. And so we are separated from God, the Bible says. The, the biggest offense in this world is, and the biggest separation is not between us as people, it's between people and God. And Jesus came as the peacemaker. He died on the cross to pay for all of our offenses so that He could join us and reconcile us, join us together, not merely make God in heaven tolerant of us, not so He could just stand to be in the room with us, but to truly make us one with God so that we are literally in Christ and together with Him and Him and us to make God for us. Jesus stood in the middle as a peacemaker, paid the price of our offense on the cross, and made it possible for us to experience true peace with God in heaven. You see, the peace that God wants to bring on this earth always flows out of the peace that God brought through Jesus. Always. It's never separate. It always comes that way. That's why the world's solutions to peace, if they are ever separated from Jesus in any way, shape, or form, if any movement seeking to bring peace or reconciliation or justice, use the common popular word today, is ever apart from that, the only method that God brings true peace and justice through His Son, Jesus, if it's ever separated from that, it is doomed 100% categorically to failure. Real peace comes with someone paying the price. That means pragmatically for you and me, when we function as peacemakers, I'm not saying that you're going to have to die on a cross. But I am saying there is going to be a price that you're going to have to pay for you to bring that reconciliation, for you to step in, for you to... Enter into the middle of a conflict. Have you ever tried to break up a couple of dogs fighting? You're probably going to get bit. You get in, you know, you start to break up some cats scratching, you get into those, you're probably going to 
you're, you're putting yourself out there. You're probably asking for some trouble. You get in the middle of a situation as a peacemaker, you're putting yourself out there, and there's going to be a price to be paid. But Jesus calls us to pay that price. He calls us to step in and to be peacemaker, not choosing sides, but simply choosing peace because you're a son of God. Now, here's the cool thing. When we, because Jesus paid the price for our peace, not only do we have peace with God, that salvation that comes and when we surrender our life to Christ and that we, we respond in faith to that incredible gospel that he saves, listen to what the Bible says, what the peace that we experience together. The Bible says in Galatians 3.28, this is a result of that. The Bible says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The Bible says this, when you and I put our trust and our faith in Jesus, we enter into a relationship with God in heaven, and we talk about that. To be honest with you, you probably picked up on it. I'm careful to talk about that every week because most of the world misses it, and many churches miss it. And everything that we live out in our life should be tied back to that wonderful gospel of our Lord Jesus. But the other piece of that equation is when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we're not alone. We have brothers and sisters. And what that verse is telling us is that that peace that God brings us between God and us individually is a peace that we actually experience together. There is a unity, a binding together to where it is completely irrelevant what categorization that we would put upon ourselves. On any kind of category the world would put upon us, there is neither Jew nor Greek. In other words, all racial barriers, all cultural barriers, all heritage barriers, all nationality barriers are irrelevant. That before God, we are together. Peace. Before God, it is even to the degree that there's neither male nor female. Well, Sean, doesn't that mean gender is fluid and transgender and all of that? No, that's this, no, that's not what this is talking about at all. This is not talking about abrogating and removing uh, every area of life at all. You know, God didn't somehow, when he brought the gospel salvation, make it so that men could bear babies and only women can. And men, we are grateful for that, are we not? <laughs> I've watched my wife go through that eight times, and no, thank you, ma'am. I'll be glad to serve you and wait on you, and I'm glad it was you were able to do that. I'm not man enough. I'm not woman enough for that one. What that means is it's a spiritual. It's talking about our life together before God, that we are all on equal footing. We are all together, bound together, and there's incredible peace that we have. The peace that the world craves is not only best represented in the church and the gospel, it's only ever represented in the church and the gospel when it's functioning as it should. Look what, listen to what Ephesians says. Ephesians says this, I wish we could read the whole thing and we can't, but I'm going to read this. I want you to hear this. Talking about Jesus, it says this, For He Himself, for Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one, we're together, one, and broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. 
He's talking about the differences, in this case, particularly between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. He says he's broken all of those distinctions and broken that hostility. He did it by abolishing the law, in verse 15, of commandments expressed in ordinances. And here's why, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off, that's talking about you and me as Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, same things we receive. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, and here's the result. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You're no longer foreigners and strangers of different lands. None of you, there are no illegals or non-illegal citizens. It says this, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You see, for you and me to be peacemakers, we represent the character of God. There's a price to be paid, and our Lord Jesus demonstrated that price. But in a world that's messed up, in a world of chaos, in a world of conflict, that price still has to be paid. That's not that Jesus, what Jesus did was insufficient, but because it's kind of along the line that the world persecuted Jesus, they're going to persecute us. We're going to talk about that next week. Because Jesus paid a price, we end up paying a price as we live this out. But brothers and sisters, that's the peace that our Lord paid for, that you and I are together. One, peace. Third thing I want us to recognize. Peacemakers love righteousness. I intentionally said righteousness and not justice. Righteousness is, in the, if we're getting really specific in the Bible's terms, is the word justice. Those two words are synonymous. But we somehow in our culture today separate justice out from righteousness. And we make them two different things. You see, God is just. That means He's righteous. And because God is righteous and just, He holds to justice. And somehow we've forgotten the basics of those, those kinds of, of truths. So God... When we are peacemakers, we love righteousness. Yes, we do love justice, but we love that which is righteous, that which is good, that which is honorable to God, that which recognizes that the every individual is made in the image of God. We love that which is holy and appropriate not only in our lives individually before God, but our lives collectively. See, if you're going to be a peacemaker, you have to have your allegiance there. Your allegiance is first and foremost and always to God. Now, it's not that you're like, well, I'm going to serve God and I'm going to serve others. No, you're going to serve God. Amen. God, you serve all others. Sometimes even as Christians in our Christian understanding, we try to say, well, I love God first, but I love my family second and all that. To be honest with you, you love God and only God, and because you love God and only God, you do love the others. So our, if we're going to be peacemakers, we have to love righteousness, and everything else in our world flows out of that. So in other words, when you're trying to help two individuals, two groups of people, two situations deal with those realities or whatever the conflict and challenges are, you're not walking in and say, well, I'm loyal to this one. I'm partial over here to this one. I'm going to make sure this one knows that I'm with them and i got solidarity here. 
No, we actually have to love the just and the righteousness and the truth before our God. That has to be our highest and greatest desire. Has to be. We live in a world where people think, well, you're my flesh and blood. You should be, you should come my direction. You're my kid or you're my parents. Why aren't you supporting me? Hey, I'm supporting you, but I love righteousness first. Sorry, but I love and honor God first. That's why I serve. That's the one I serve, and that's what I'm for. Think about it this way, Mom and Dad. When, you're, when your kids are fighting, and you're like, oh, I love righteousness, and I wish my kids were acting righteous right now, and I'm really irritated that they're not. And you hear the blow up, and you go in, and you're like, what in the world is going on? And you try to go and sort in the middle of that. Your job is to stand... Not so much just as the mediator trying to get these two kids to get along. In fact, your job, mom and dad, is not to investigate history. We do that. Well, who did what? She threw the block at me. Okay, well, why did she throw the block at you? And then she tells them, you know, mom, what, what, she, what he did, and you get into all of this, and before you know it, you're like back and forth and all of this. And actually, mom and dad, what she should be doing, rather than investigating history, you're not an investigator, you know, like with a police department. You actually should be investigating their hearts. And instead of getting lost in all the historical facts, which there's some you need to know, you should be examining and saying, hey, why do you have such attitude right now? Like, I'm looking at this junk. You need to start forgiving. You need to take responsibility. You're trying to duck all of this. Deal with the hearts in the middle of it. But what you're doing in that situation is you're not walking in choosing individuals. In fact, because you choose righteousness, you love both people and you want both to experience the righteousness of God. And that is what matters more to you than just the absence of conflict. It's those two individuals experiencing the grace and the love and the forgiveness of God in their own hearts and in turn to be able to share and reflect that to one another. You see, there's a lot of causes in the world around us that, that have recognized some things that they need to recognize that are wrong. But even in the middle of that, they're not choosing righteousness. They're supporting other stuff that's not righteous. There's a lot of social causes that we should be concerned about. And as Christians, we need to be careful. And there's a Bible, the verse says, and it's, it's the old King James, but that Jesus didn't commit himself to man for he knew what was in man. Let me just put that a little differently. Jesus didn't commit himself to man and his movements, the stuff that we come up with, because he knew what was in our hearts and what's in our movements. You see, all of the things that we create have some things in the middle of it that aren't so good. Jesus said, I came to bring peace and righteousness with God. And as a result of that, to offer the way of peace, true peace through the gospel together, he didn't come to solve all the social things in the world. Sean, are you, hold on, Sean, are you saying that we shouldn't get on some of the movements that are happening right now? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm actually saying this. You need to evaluate every one of those movements. How do you know whether or not you should join a particular movement? There's all kinds of them happening right now. You need to examine each one of them carefully. And inasmuch as they reflect the righteousness and the holiness of God, you should jump in with them. But when they don't, 
as a follower of Jesus, you better walk away because you are no longer a peacemaker. You, you are joining something that's actually offensive to God and hurtful, even under the guise of being something that is bringing justice. So be careful. Be careful. We love righteousness. True peacemakers love righteousness first. Fourth thing I want to share with you. Peacemakers can't always bring peace. I wish I could give you a secret tool this, that you could always solve every problem, but you can't. Think about it this way. Did God bring peace to everyone on this earth? No. He brought peace between those who follow Him. You see, peace only happens in as much two people to movements, to parties, to groups of people, to organizations, to whatever, or three, however triple the fight is, only as much as those individuals are willing to experience change in their heart can peace ensue. That's it. You see, Jesus brought peace between us and God. But in the middle of that, you had to turn from your sins have faith in Jesus, turn away from that junk and say, God, I'm sorry, and allow the God of heaven to change you. That's what repentance is. It's a change of your mind that leads to a change of heart and of actions. And where there is no repentance, there can never be a rejoining of peace together. See, peace will never happen among individuals who don't take responsibilities, who don't ask forgiveness, who don't step up and say, I totally blew that. Peace will never come when people, unless people are willing to stop being defensive, stop making excuses, and to instead take the responsibilities and say, would you forgive me? And on the other side, and by the way, I've never yet to this day seen a fight where there are not wrongs on both sides. Never. Not once. I wish I could tell you that I was always right in the fights I have in my own family, and I'm not. When I look inside of my heart, I may have one or two things that I'm right about or pure or whatever, but in the middle of it, there's always some other stuff that kind of you know, gets mixed into it. It means that when real peace to come, that means each party has to own up to their assumptions, to the wrongs, to the... The offenses toward the others. Forgiveness has to be offered. Forgiveness has to be accepted. The respect and the mutual trust has to grow. And then those bonds can come back together. Now, peace will always happen if we're willing to allow it. And if we're willing to allow God to work in our lives, there can always be peace. I don't care how bad a marriage gets, how bad a situation happens. The God of peace will always be at work to put people back together. That's why, G that's why Paul got on the church. Why are you taking Christians, taking other Christians to court? You ought to be able to solve that out, solve that. There ought to be people among you that are peacemakers to put that together. Sean, you don't understand how difficult it is to be at peace in those situations. I, I get it. I get that I don't get it. I get that I don't get what you're thinking of. But I do get and do know that the Bible says, that Paul himself said, in Christ I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God gives us that strength and that ability to move forward. 
So often in, in counseling and even in Christian counseling with couples, it ends up being like a secular, almost like a business, like a United Nations peace treaty or something where, well, if you do this and I'll do that, and it's almost like five tips to how to, how to keep your own offenses and keep your own life but you just learn how to dance a little nicer together. You know, if you get up earlier so that, you know, he isn't bothered, and if you put your dirty laundry away, then she won't get offended and all of that. And those things can be helpful and five tips to better communicate and, you know, good habits and all of that. And, but at the end of the day, the peace that God wants to bring goes way deeper than all of that. The real problems you and I have is in our hearts. And it's the, the selfishness and the junk that we've got to address and deal with it that God wants, to, wants to, to change in our life. That's why as a church we talk about life change that comes through knowing and following Jesus. And when we are willing to God to lead us and to own our own stuff instead of just always looking at the stuff of the other person and instead willing to take responsibility for the junk that we've added to it along the way, then and only then can peace happen. And guys, our role is to help people in this journey to be peacemakers as we live out our life. Let me give you some practical things. I'm in with this. So how do we really bring peace? There's some real tangible things. I don't want to leave this this morning just nice warm fuzzies and high altitude principles. Let me get really specific. You and I function as peacemakers whenever we share the gospel. The greatest conflict in this world right now has nothing to do with race, politics, or disease, pandemics. The greatest conflict in the world right now is that 90%, 95% of the people walking on this planet are living under complete hostility before God. They are lost, separated from a God in heaven, and God is looking at them not in a way of favor and toward love, and He wants to be able to save them and forgive them. And you and I are peacemakers, bringing peace before them and God when we share the gospel and we put that as priority of our life. Make no mistake, if we share the gospel more and the more people receive that gospel, the more peace we're going to experience in our world. The more peace we're going to experience in our politics. The more peace we're going to experience in our communities and our workplaces and all of that because people's hearts are going to be changed and they're going to experience God's forgiveness and His love and grace and then they're actually going to go from being a part of the problem of all the conflict to actually living before God in such a way that brings peace to others, and then justice will be lived out because people will be just and honorable before God in heaven. So to be a peacemaker means to be a gospel sharer, one that gives hope and grace and bring that to others. To be a peacemaker means that you and I need to listen well. Sometimes to help other people, we need to sit and listen. Haven't you ever noticed when people get in conflict, and maybe even you, what's one of the first things you want to do? You want to get on the phone, text somebody, can you believe what this guy just did and you know what just happened to me? We want to tell somebody. Sometimes what we're really trying to do is to get somebody to join our team to gang up on that person and prove us right. And by the way, it's never healthy when you just are that person. 
Actually, when you're that person, you need to go to them and say, well, let me ask you a question. What did you do? What were you thinking? Now, they may not like it, but that's part of the price you pay to truly be a peacemaker because you've got to love righteousness and justice and not just somebody that goes along. But it does mean along the way, if you're going to be a peacemaker, you're going to need to listen because listening well can take the sting out of the offense for some people. A friend of mine, I have a couple of pastors who are African-American, black, in, in the capital region. And uh, I listened to the story of one, one guy, and I had no idea. He's a dad and, uh, and took his son fishing. Had kind of had one of their you know, fishing spots they would go to. And they went down to the river one day to fish, and I guess there was a the bridge there, and, and on the bridge was spray-painted spray in big letters, the N-word. And there was a noose flipped over the, the rail. That's here in the capital region. And he told the story about how he went to the town to share it, and the town acknowledged it, profusely apologized, and he recognized it wasn't the town's fault. It was whoever the jerks were that did that. But two or three weeks later, he went back, and it still was there. The noose was still there. Nothing was taken down. He finally went to a, a trooper friend of his when a state trooper went and took care of it and got it off for him. You know, needless to say, his son, he never wanted to go back fishing again. Can you imagine the next time they picked up their fishing rods, what they thought? You know, you go to a new place, I want new place, I wonder what I'm going to see here. I can never take that offense away and fix that problem. I can speak to it culturally and socially. He can't even fix that. But what I can do in his life is listen, have compassion, understand his story and understand where he is in a way that I can help him walk forward in peace and grace and experience that in his heart and to live that out. Peacemakers learn how to listen well to people and to walk with them in the middle of that journey. Peacemakers learn how to suffer wrongs. They live at peace themselves. Guys, we have to get over making sure that we take responsibility and nobody gets one on, over on us. You are going to suffer wrongs in this world. And your job in this world is not to make sure that you don't ever suffer for anything that's, that's wrong. If you do, and if that's your top goal, you will not be a peacemaker and you will not be living as a child of God. You'll be living as a child of yourself. I'll give you a quick little example. Um, we've got a bill in the mail recently for uh, property taxes on a, a home that we, we own. We have our, where we live, most of you guys have been out to our house. We have a little cottage and a house, and they're two, two separate deeds. We have two separate tax bills. And 18 months ago, we said, hey, this is dumb. We should put them together because you, you can't separate them. I won't get on all the details. I could never sell them separately. I had to go together. We're like, our taxes are higher than they should be. When they reassess, we're like, let's get these taxes back down. So 18 months ago, we entered in to put those together. So last January, nine, 10 months ago, whenever, when we didn't get a tax bill for the other property, it was no surprise because 10 months before that, we tried to put them together. Well, I got a bill in the mail for that house just last month, and they said we were late. They said it was due in, back in January and March, and it had gone from the town now to the county, and I called the county, what's going on? I'm confused. And they're like, oh, yeah, as soon as it comes to us, 
you get charged 5% interest and it accrues a month, an interest a month, a, a percent a month. I said, so you guys haven't contacted me from March till now and you're just now telling me? And meanwhile, you're getting a percent out of me and I owe this. I'm like, this is crazy. I went back to the town and long thing. Long story short, they sent the bill probably to our tenant and our tenant probably threw it away, but I'm responsible not only to pay that bill because apparently it takes more than 10 months to combine properties. And months later, I'm like, we've only ever been late on a bill like once in my life as a marriage. And at the end of the day, I had to say, okay, thank you very much. I'm sorry, no, yep, it's a messed up system. We will pay our bill. You will suffer injustices, either the system, the individual, things that you know are wrong and all of that. Deal with it. Peacemakers learn how to live at peace with other people and to allow to be suffered wrong. That's part of what it means to be a peacemaker. Peacemaker means that we do not instigate issues. We don't cover things up but we don't inflame them. We don't pour gas on them. In the middle of all of the stuff that's going on, so much garbage is being posted. Inflammatory, things that are inflamed, bigger. People say things trying to prove a point and say them bigger than they really are. Does God ever do that? No. I, I can't think of any time Jesus ever like, well, I really don't mean this, but I'm going to like inflate this and make it bigger. It's not. Look at your social media and what you post and things that aren't, true when they really are looking at face value, when you and I, we're not functioning as peacemakers when we are instead trying to, you know, prove a point and, and lift this whatever cause that we're trying to address and we're making it even bigger than it is. Our Lord didn't call us to that. Sean, are you saying that we should never identify atrocities in this world? No, I'm not saying that either. Six million Jews died in the middle of the Holocaust. Somebody better stay, stand up in the process and say that's wrong. Somebody better stand up in the process and say racism's wrong. But in the process of everything that we stand up for, we better make sure that the things we're saying are accurate and true and actually have a pathway to peace. When somebody's doing wrong, you need to point it out to them. But the goal is not to prove yourself right and to prove them awful. The goal is to say, hey, you blew it, and if you're willing to recognize it, here's how reconciliation happens. And if you're not, so be it. The laws of the justice system will come down on you. But our goal all along is peace. And if when we post and when we speak, our real goal is not to, to bring reconciliation and healing to whatever we're speaking into, then we're not peacemakers. We're conflict inflamers. And God is not impressed. And even if we're Christians, we're not acting in a way that recognizes and honors our Lord. We shouldn't thrive in debates. For peacemakers, we shouldn't just be our thing. Some people really like to debate stuff. And I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, that it's, it's okay to have some debates, but if you really get a thrill out of always being right and debating, then somewhere in your life there's a pride and there's a self-centeredness and there's an unhealthy love of you being on top. Instead, Jesus called us to, be, to love peace. We should almost enter into those things swallowing hard like, I don't like this, but here's what I'm going to share. And the last little tangible thing is, if you and I are going to be peacemakers, 
Every person around us deserves to be seen as made in the image of God. Every person. Even in those moments that we struggle to respond to them in that way. I faced one of those, just not a big one, but it could have been, but it was a little one. Just, just yesterday, my, my family and I camped. I think I already told you that. And when we came back in, there's this really popular canoe spot. We paddled back in and, and camped out in the woods. And when we were coming back in, uh, there were some other guys that were, were about to launch and go fishing for that day. And I had taken some gear up to the, the car and was on my way back. And I overheard one of the guys talking with my family and was there. And I had already kind of seen the guy interact and kind of realized, like, this guy's either drunk or high. Like, it's just really blatantly obvious, you know, just obvious. And I heard him asking about my wife and, you know, my kids are there. And my, I'll tell you, as a dad, my antenna goes up. You know, I don't know what's being said, and I missed the whole context, and I immediately stepped into that situation being ready. And come to find out, it was a completely innocent, okay conversation about the canoe that we had redone, and everything was okay. Transparent in my heart, when people are drunk, I don't get excited about dealing with drunk people. In fact, I'm pretty frustrated when I have to do that. I wasn't excited about the conversation that I was walking into but I treated him with respect, regardless of what was going to come out of that situation, and didn't, didn't read into it more than he was or any of that, and it ended up being completely fine and everything was okay. But you and I, with whomever we're dealing with, guys, they're made in the image of our God in heaven, and they deserve that love and that respect. And the same thing that you would expect of anyone around you, if you're going to be a peacemaker, you have to have that. You have to love righteousness. You have to be willing to pay the price to walk in the middle of it. And you've got to live your life in a way and speak into situations. And the cool thing about this is that God wants us to live this way. Does it get exhausting? Yes. Does it get tiring? Yes. Does it mean that you just can't jump on every movement that's out there? It really does. Because if you're really going to be a peacemaker with the simplistic solutions that are being offered to complex problems. And when those solutions are not only simplistic, but when they, along the way, hold all kinds of things that are unrighteous, you can't hold to those. And people will want you to join or whatever, and you'll be like, I'm sorry, I, I believe in a lot of what that's talking about, but I don't believe in all of it. I can't. I have to hold to righteousness. So guys, I don't know what God is speaking into your heart about this morning. But I do know this. The Lord in heaven wants you and me to be peacemakers. It's the church's job to do that. In fact, this is at the core we do. If we're living peacemakers, we're sharing the gospel. We're teaching people how to live one with another. And we're modeling it in the church. And we're helping those in the world around us. We're realistic. We know that it won't be perfect. This world is going to be full of chaos and conflict and all kinds of disorder and fights till Jesus comes. But we're called to be peacemakers, to live in this way, to recognize and address injustices, but to hold to God's just and righteousness in the middle of it. So I'm going to challenge you. Evaluate the things that you believe. Think about the situations that you're in. Be careful. Sometimes in your family, you just want to get along to get along and not deal with the situation. Sometimes we don't ever address it. 
peacemakers, step into that. Be willing to risk. Sean, I did that and it went nowhere. Okay, then you step back. But at least try. At least try to allow that person to experience the reconciliation of God in heaven and you speak into the heart of the situation. Don't get caught up in all the peripheral stuff. Speak into the heart of what, where that person is and where they need to be. Address those things. So I'm going to pray for us. And I'm gonna, as I close, I'm just going to ask you in your heart to whatever you feel like is kind of ringing in your ears that maybe God has spoken into you, would you commit that to God? Maybe it's something as simple as you just had never really picked up on that you're really supposed to be a peacemaker. Maybe you're even further than that. You've liked and enjoyed the conflict. You might need to repent of that. Maybe you've had to put up with the conflict so much that you've forgotten that you do have a role of peacemaking. Or maybe you've allowed yourself to get into other areas and you really haven't evaluated them for the righteousness, the goodness of God. But whatever, and you need to do that. But whatever you need to do, this is your time to make that commitment to God. And as you go out from here, to make good on that. To read, to, to pray, to study, to go have conversations, do whatever your next steps are, but now's your time to decide that. So let me pray for us and give you a chance to, to think before God. Lord in heaven, I am so taken, just at such a time as now, that it's so clear that we're to be peacemakers. And Father, I must confess that I have not always lived with that reality. I've not always thought that that's my my job, my responsibility to reflect your character in this messed up and broken world quite like this. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as a pastor, help us as a church, help each individual and families here to live in this way. Help us to be for your righteousness and your just ways across the board. Help us to love you and to be willing to pay that price and to live in such a way that we bring peace into this world. And Lord, I pray that we'd have opportunities to share the real peace that, that the Lord Jesus brings when He died on the cross. Help us to spread that peace and to live that out, I pray. Father, I pray this in, in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Well, guys, I don't know what God's spoken, but I pray that it's been a blessing, encouraged you, and uh, pray that you have a good week. And ask God to give you opportunity to be a peacemaker this week. It'll be individually, it'll be quietly, but ask God to give you that opportunity. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.